Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Always in Pursuit podcast. This is Aaron. I am kind of your host. I am back in the chair this week. It's good to be with you all. Uh, as always, I am joined by Pastor Mark and Pastor Megan. Hey, guys. What's happening? How was uh, Utah? Southwest Utah was oh, excellent. It was a lot of Mormons. <laughs> I, I mean, there were a couple times where you would, like in Walmart, you would see like women in like head to toe dresses with like the bonnet things on. Look like Amish homeschoolers. Something, something. Yeah. I love that every time you say it, you're very specific in Southwest Utah. Yeah. Like you don't say you went to Utah, you went to Southwest Sorry. Utah. It's a big state. They'd be like, I went to Minnesota in Minneapolis. <laughs> you didn't experience it. It's. Just okay. Yeah, uh, Utah. Yeah. Has I'm glad many you enjoyed corners. Southwest Utah. Yeah, you went from just a you went to the <laughs> bastion of conservatism. That's not the South. That's not the Southern. Is conservatism. it really? Oh, oh, Utah is like the most conservative uh, voting state. Really? Yeah, like I, maybe out of every state. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. It's a very homogenous group of people. That's what I'm saying. The Mormons yeah, basically yeah. just own the state. I, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense yeah. now that I think about it. So one, a couple of funny observations about Utah. We did not have to dwell in this space for very long. First one was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean there's so many mormon like temples yeah i was like are there any christian churches in this state so we're driving around and like right when i said that to my father-in-law we drove past a baptist church and then like a block down the same street there was a lutheran church yeah. and i was like oh okay they do exist so then the second observation was um we were we wanted to have margaritas one night so i was trying to find a liquor store and their liquor stores are closed on sundays so it just sent me like 10 years in the past, Minnesota, uh, like PTSD. Yep. 10 Blue, years has Blue been laws. that long? I think it's been longer, actually. And then the second part of that is that all of the liquor stores in Utah are state-run and operated. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's actually brilliant. It is. All the tax base goes straight to... Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was talking to like the person who was checking me out with my margarita mix and tequila, and uh, she was like, yep, that's how Utah rolls. That's how we get a lot of our like uh, revenue for the state. And then she goes... But it's kind of bad, too, because they don't really care about what we carry. And our selection sucks. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I'm just going to go make some margaritas for my family now. So. You're like, I wonder how many Mormons work in the uh, liquor store. Probably probably not. A, probably not seen as a probably great job many. for yeah. Mormons. I'm, yeah. If you're uh, any type of liquor connoisseur, uh, which I am not really like. <laughs> Southwest yeah. Utah is not the place we, to be. I think Utah in general is not the place to I go. barely drink. Right. Yeah, I've like the same couple bottles of liquor that I've had for like the last 10 years in my yeah. Yeah. So it's great. We have trip. a lot that we want to cover today. We do. It was a great trip. Uh glad to like stop talking about Mormons, stop talking about liquor. Yeah. You're smart. That's yeah. good. Um so it's good to be back. Yeah. Rested. Uh got some good sun. Vitamin D is great. So but I missed I missed you all too much to stay away for too long. So, yeah. yeah we do have a lot to talk about today um we all know that's not true <laughs> hey that's, I, I just had to go back to work you I had to did. come back the kids I, lo I, love, I love his rebuttal <laughs> guys. hey i uh but... you can't say that that's not fair um all right what are we doing today i did uh you're gonna review your message yeah from this past we'll Sunday. do that quick because we got some other stuff to talk about. yeah uh yeah we'll just jump into all that stuff after you review before we jump into that I just wanted to make a quick comment on a remark that Mark had made to me after last week's podcast. Because um, I'm a psycho and listen to the podcast after we. Yeah, all the time. It. He just listens to it on repeat. Um, no, you came in on Friday and you were like, in the podcast on Wednesday, we did a lot of like somewhere in the Bible it says or like scriptures say. Um, 
and didn't actually dig through and say references and find where it says that. Um, so we just want to be intentional for you guys to take that moment, stop, look on our computers, because we have technology, um, and find that scripture and and be better about referencing where things are. Yeah, my yes. brain was not on. I couldn't even think of the word Ecclesiastes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got a text from uh, from Caitlin. She was like, she just literally, the text was like, hey, listen to the podcast. Ecclesiastes, you found it eventually. <laughs> Great podcast. Yeah. So yeah. that was pretty fun. So we were a little tired last week, um, but we're going to continue to get better at this whole podcast thing. Yeah, and, I think I was yeah. still in a, a drug fog from the surgery. So I think I'm feeling much better today. <laughs> All right. So, so far we've talked about liquor and drug fog. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Welcome awesome. to Pursuit It's community. only going to get better. Always in pursuit of, <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yep, yep, yes. Okay. Always in pursuit of Jesus. You are correct. Um, so your sermon this weekend, voice of truth. Yes. I would also like to say one more thing. Yep. My daughter started listening to our podcast. We got home the other day and she's like, dad, can I go finish episode 18? Sure. She yeah. might be the only one who knows what episode Knock it is. Knock yourself out. We have 18 episodes. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Today's 19, I believe. Thanks, Mace. Love you. So Dang. if Macy, if you're listening to this, you're the best seven-year-old that ever existed. Macy, if you're listening to this, your muffs. Well done. Okay. So no, daddy was not in a drug fog. Um, so here we go. So this week I gave a little bit of an overview um, uh, talking more about the sort of three things that John cycles through, you know, the theology, do you believe the right thing? The morality, are you living in? Or are you do? Are you actually like putting it into practice? And the relational sort of communal test of like, do you love one another? Mm -hmm. Pretty much same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. If you like ever have a test where they're like, hey, what's John talking about? You can answer the question pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. like, there you go. He's just like, hey, do I believe the right thing? Am I living the right life? Are we loving each other? That's the main thing. So um, and then I, I mentioned that kind of like his cycle, you know, seemed to be his style of preaching, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I got a little nerdy on that looking at some of the different styles of different the, the problem is we don't have a lot of sermons we have a lot yeah, of letters that makes first john unique <clears throat> right I, so, I enjoy yeah, that i i kind of enjoyed that i got to kind of make those you know because i think for us there's a very common sermon um structure that gets used today and mm -hmm. yeah. uh it's way different than what he was doing yeah he was sure. just like pounding the one point home yeah i think one of the main differences is that like you know using like a Paul letter, for example, it's very personal because it's usually written to like one person right. or a small group of people. This example with John in first John, it's a sermon. Like he wrote it to be for like a larger audience, yep. which is why he doesn't mention names specifically. He says, dear children, which is very broad, unspecific. Like, yeah, it it's written in a way that is to be communicated and not just like, consumed yep. personally if that makes sense well, and paul calls out specific people a couple yeah. times like hey this guy's a false teacher don't listen to him john yep. doesn't do that because it's going to different contexts mm -hmm. different groups of people they're hearing from different people like mm -hmm. he can't you know he can't personalize it it's it's meant yeah. to be cyclical it's 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 also cyclical we call it a cyclical letter or cyclical sermon because it goes throughout the churches in the area and mm -hmm. kind of makes its way through so you know pretty pretty straightforward the way that he's like hammering home the main thing. And if you're going to really hammer home the main thing, it's God is love is the main idea. And then the, it's what's your response to that. Those three things that he was talking about are all, Hey, do you believe it? Hey, are you living it? Hey, is it showing itself in your community? Mm -hmm. um, 
And then he spent a lot of time kind of defending <laughs> the right, having the right Christology. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically what you believe about Jesus, making sure that you're on the right footing for what you believe about Jesus. And mm -hmm. I still think this is the, one of the most important things. I mean, I, I kind of hammered home a couple of the things that I think are um, huge problems for us today where, you know, I think he's hammering home that Jesus came in the flesh because that's in direct response to their problems. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, for us, you know, the, the things that we kind of are running into are much more of a, the supremacy of Christ, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus going to the cross for us. And to just give you what substitutionary atonement means, it's literally the process of Jesus taking on the sins of everyone on the cross. He substituted himself and he brought atonement. He brought forgiveness of sin into the world for all of us. And there are people who are questioning all of those things. They're questioning uh, his supremacy. They're questioning the substitutionary atonement. And then the last one I had in there was exclusivity, that he's the only way. Those three things are mm. highly debated. Very. That's where Jesus gets eroded in our culture. He got eroded there by saying, no, he's, he didn't come in flesh. He was just spirit. It was spirit can't die so he didn't actually die and so the, you know here i think the conversation is actually the ones that um are i'm having quite a bit with people are much more on a you know on an intellectual level and much more of like a thought experiment hmm. and they start with this idea of like um well i believe this to be true and so if this is true then it must mean this about god so like this is the way the thought process goes like I think God should, hmm. you know, forgive without having to have any blood to pay for sin. That seems yeah. archaic to me. I believe God shouldn't have to punish somebody and pour out his wrath on them because that wouldn't make him very good. So I believe that the best way for this to happen wouldn't be substitutionary atonement. And you're like, okay, but that's, <laughs> you started with the premise of like, this is where I think God should be like, and then work towards how this should all what work is true yeah. and it's like no it starts with here's what happened yeah <laughs> it starts with the truth and then you form your beliefs around that right you take jesus at his word yeah and you decide that he is historically who the bible said he is and he did the things that historically were said about him mm -hmm. and then you process what you think god should be like based yeah. on what is what is the what reality is true. Yep. so like that's the hard part and i think a lot of people are just kind of flipping that around you just described like the conversion process of like <laughs> this is how you become a christian you know right but the, it's funny i you know listening to the sermon this weekend the impression i had was uh it's so ironic that it like people get this backwards who are already called themselves christians like yeah. you shouldn't just say you're a christian and then try and change who god is like it's all about understanding who god is who jesus is what he came to do and then you make a decision Either you believe it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Like either you're a Christian or you don't. That's what's so like, you know, we say it in the church world all the time. Like we shouldn't have to keep telling you guys this because this is pretty basic. And it's essentially what Paul's saying. It's just what John's saying. You know, it's what all of these first church leaders were saying. Is James. Like, yeah. Hey, guys, you were with Jesus. You should know <laughs> like how this works. And then they, they act like they don't. So Right. And yeah, it, it often is it starts as like a thought exercise and it starts as like a, let me read the viewpoint of somebody who's brilliant. Right. But, and has this other kind of theology built. And what's funny is that all the theology that's out there right now that people are like rediscovering 
you know, and I always bash Richard Rohr for this, you know, he's my example of a theologian who I just drives me crazy. You know, like I think he means well, but you know, like uh, it's, yeah. it's that none of this stuff is new. It's just repackaged. So like some of the heretical ideas that are now being floated out there are just things that were decided to be heretical, you know, hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. and put aside and they've been picked back up like shiny new objects. Yeah. And now they're being repackaged to people. And you're like, the point of all of this is to erode historically who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. Like we can have Jesus or we can choose not to. But what we can't have is this like neutered version of Jesus where we like created him in our own image mm -hmm. to be exactly who we want him to be. Mm -hmm. That's what's really kind of frustrating about this whole process is that I can see very clearly like you're creating Jesus to be who you want him to be. But like people are like, no, I'm just, you know, like this is a revolutionary idea that's going to And I'm just like, it's not revolutionary. It's few hundred years old yeah we've the church has already rejected yeah. it outright there was like a church mm -hmm. council about this like right. a thousand like, years ago <laughs> like none of this is new uh it's been regurgitated a few times throughout history yeah. it's always been knocked down we're still in the same place that we were at you know and yeah. again this goes back to if you think you have a new idea now yeah you, there's it's, nothing new it's wrong something. like it's yeah. we have a two thousand years of church history like yeah. you're not the first person thinking you're like uh this thing that you're talking about wrestling with this is why this denomination split yeah like, right yeah. exactly right yeah. <laughs> there are a group of people that still yeah, yeah it was my yeah. It was my friend in college he had um uh i can't think of the name of the denomination that he was in it's very small baptist offshoot and they the only difference that they had is that they just believed in annihilationism uh, so essentially like they believe that people just didn't live forever in hell mm -hmm. that you just went to hell and you died like you went to hell and you burned up mm -hmm. and <laughs> so we used to have these like three hour you know, arguments throwing scripture back and forth and trying to like argue each other off the and he's still at the church he's still in the denomination like yeah. it probably doesn't really matter whether you think it's eternal yeah. damnation or just damnation like yeah. Like, what's the difference? I guess one is just yeah. hurts longer. Like, yeah. uh, either way, I'm not really sure it matters. You know? I, I think I've told this story before. It's very brief. Uh, at a previous church I worked at in youth ministry, I taught confirmation for four years. And in one of the confirmation classes, talking about church history, uh, I had this, like, giant whiteboard that was, like, took up one whole wall of the room. And I took, like, three or four hours and using dry erase markers, wrote out, like, the denominational tree of all like pretty much all the denominations not all of them but like all the major ones and then wrote in like dates and reasons for like why the branches split the denomination split it's so, like the students were like really taking why did the southern baptist split what, what happened there? <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> Honestly, okay. like, such a nerdy thing to do yeah. i love it but it was like the students were like <laughs> why like why did they all split and i was like because they got really hung up on like a certain issue yeah. or a certain thing, or there was some sort of like catalyst moment that caused the split. And they're like, it's really sad. And I was like, well, yeah, probably. But like, you know, God has really created this like beautiful mosaic of churches right. for some reason, you know, it's part of his plan. Like, you know, he wants his church to be diverse. So, it, but it is just, it's really right. interesting to like, look at this, crazy history family tree of all these churches and denominations and think like every time a branch splits it's because of some sort of conflict disagreement argument issue like 
Yeah, my favorite one is the Evangelical Free Church and the Converge, which mm-hmm. is what we're part of, which originally was Swedish Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, just run, run that through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Swedish yeah. Chef and Baptist put together. It's yeah. perfect. Um, and the reason they split uh, was like a very small governance issue. And they split very happily. And we're very happy to run just essentially parallel within the universe of churches, just like Swedes would. Like perfectly happy. We don't do conflict. Yeah. Like, like, oh, oh, you guys want to do that? Okay, well, go up and have have a good life. You know, like <laughs> you're on that side of the street, we're on this side of the street. Yeah. Yeah. It's just really funny. And they're basically the same denomination today. Like, mm-hmm. there's really not a lot of difference. You know, I think um converges a little bit more, allows for a little bit more uh local leadership at the church level. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of top-down leadership and even evangelical free has a little bit more denominational control. This is literally the difference. Like theologically, they're like exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, I think there might be a little bit of difference today on women in ministry between the two, but um, another whatever bad, get, bad yeah. reason yeah. to mm-hmm. split a denomination. And by the way, any of these things we mentioned, substitutionary atonement, uh, exclusivity of Christ, uh, you know, um, I forget what the first one I said was uh, the. Oh, it was right there in my head. Uh, supremacy of Jesus. We could do a whole podcast on these things. Yeah, we could even talk about denominations. I don't know what people are interested in, but if there's something that strikes you as somebody you know who listens to this podcast, and you yeah. want us to do something, we could certainly talk much longer about this Let kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a nerd, so I like all of it. You may yes. not like be interested in any of it. So yeah. But what you believe about Jesus still is one of the most important things mm-hmm. about being a Christ follower, understanding exactly who he is, what he did, how it happened, the whole thing, um, and not sort of uh, kind of eroding the truth about who Christ is. Because it, mm-hmm. it comes in like waves and it comes in small things. And then eventually Jesus gets kind of far away from who he was. And that, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of bit of what we have i know like culturally there's been sort of critiques of that you know the buddy jesus like we've turned him into this like yeah cartoonist it's like a good guy yeah it's almost like um like a uh a version that sells better you know what i mean like well, a consumeristic version of jesus a more palatable it's not so much like a hippie jesus it's more of like a like he embodies just virtues and morals and not like it's not about the actions of Christ, what he came to do. It's more about like what he represents, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. which it can be, you know, we talk a lot about love and a lot about acceptance and, you know, things like that. And those are all good things. So that's part of what Jesus came yeah, to do. Most of the time when we talk about love, it's not actually biblical, the, the way Jesus yeah. loved people. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's 100%. very flowery and very yeah. like. A lot of times it's lust. It's great. A lot of times it's romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's. Or it's like. Self-serving. M- meaning that you can't be angry or like have conflict. You yeah. just have to be like. Yep. Passive. Can't have boundaries. Yeah. Can't. None of those things are love. Yeah. No way. Uh, yeah. And I mean, his, John's definition of love is really just action. Mm-hmm. It's like it's self-sacrificing action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I think then we moved on to just the idea that like, when we're applying this, I, I, I feel this way. And this just came out of my own small group. So sorry to throw you guys under the bus. I love you guys. Um, they're all great. My whole small group is great. But like, we just, we spent a little while talking about like, how do we deal with homeless people on the street corner? Mm-hmm. When in reality, I think what John is saying here is not 
what's your plan to deal with homeless people that you encounter? It's actually like, how do you love the people that are hardest for you to love? The ones closest to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like in your church, the one that you don't really want to bump into at church. Yep. The one that's in your family that drives you crazy. The yeah. one in your extended family that you can't stand at the next family gathering. You might mm -hmm. avoid the family gathering if so-and-so is going to be there. Like that's who John's talking about. Yeah. It's that person who, when somebody asks who's the hardest to love, they like pop up into your head and you go, nope, and like push it aside <laughs> and think about the next person. Because they don't deserve it. Yeah. Because they're super annoying. Yep. Because you don't have the time and you've tried. Yep. And yep. you're like, if you're going to think about how John's talking here, like, mm -hmm. that's you. Who's that first person? Yeah, Jesus did that for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're super annoying. Well, and I think as Christians too, one of the traps is that like we, we, t <laughs> We tend to like avoid those hard to love people mm -hmm. so that we can just focus on like the homeless person or something. Right. Yeah. Right. That's really easy. Yeah. You walk away. You have no connection yeah. with them. After. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, feel good yeah, about I yourself. did that. I feel good about it. It's more self-serving than it is actually. Like, yep. And I am not saying don't do that. By the yeah, way. Yeah. And I think if John were here, what he would say is like, yeah, I want you to love that homeless person, but you can't do that unless you first do this. Right. Like mm -hmm. you got to love like Jesus loved. Yeah, I mean, the this people. could rabbit trail into missions and how detrimental <laughs> short-term mission trips can be yeah. i could talk on that for a long time i was just thinking about my friend who went to plant a church in nashville i was like get out of here why are you playing church in nashville i got a, about 16 churches per block down there like <laughs> most church city in the entire country like why don't you go plant a church in new england um yeah well or i knew friends that were missionaries to the mormons <laughs> it's like what are we doing here uh Southwest Utah. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. I'm not saying that's wrong or bad. No. Yeah, you go plant your church. Fine. You go yeah. do go do your mission that you feel called to. Uh, and even for us, like let's ha have a plan for how you're going to handle that person at the corner. Yeah. If you feel mm -hmm. yeah, we're not saying ignore homeless yeah. people. That really, I, I know a couple families that do like um, they have packs of things in their mm -hmm. car. They have stuff packed in Care there. Packs, yep. Yeah, like a pair of socks, like some some uh, like I don't know shampoo and stuff yeah, hygiene stuff yeah then they've got like like some power bars and mm -hmm. stuff and they just hand those things out and they hand a gift card in there for yeah. like chick-fil-a or something hand that out it's like yeah okay that's a really great idea like yep. you've done something Im important in that moment yeah not what we're talking about here no and after i had lunch with um our family and another family and uh we were just talking through processing the sermon together and and uh it was said you know at the table um like I know I hate this sermon series. I hate you. I know exactly who I'm supposed to love and I don't want to do it. Yeah. Stop doing this. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, that's it's that first person yes. that you're like, mm -mm, too hard. I've tried before. It hasn't worked. It's going to be too messy. Not going there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep dumping effort down mm -hmm. this black hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus this is going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm again, I'm not telling you to get abused. I'm not telling yeah. you to not have good boundaries. Please yep. hear me when I say this. But there are people in our lives, they don't deserve our love. They don't deserve our acceptance. And yet we're called to go out and love them and accept them mm -hmm. and find a way. And it can be a situation like Jesus going to the cross. Like it can be a situation where they don't deserve it. And there isn't anything we can get in return out mm -hmm. of it. And yet we're still called to go for it. Yeah. Yep. <sighs> and you think there must have been some problems in those churches with... Uh, I don't know if is disunity the word like there must have been some issues mm -hmm. uh, around unity 
in the churches that he was writing to. Well, like when I did my sermon two, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, um, when I was reading about that passage, it, you know, and doing like the overview of John, first John itself, it was saying that John never mentions what the conflict was, but there was some sort of crisis among those churches. Something happened and a group of people took off. And then they came back and were trying to like stir things up again and create more disunity and more conflict. And that's, you know, when, when John talks about like the spirit of the antichrist, he's talking about that group of people who are trying to like tear down the church from the outside because they used to be on the inside and they should know better because they know Christ. They should know Christ. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so like that's kind of where that, that notion comes from of like, you know, we got to love like Christ love because that's what unifies, you know, Mm -hmm. accepting. Which is funny. I mean, he does definitely calls them the antichrist and he Mm -hmm. definitely, uh, is telling the people in the church, like, Hey, you guys bind together, like stop having conflict between you guys, because there's, there is conflict from coming from outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so the conflict on the inside needs to be figured out. So that way the conflict on the outside is the only conflict you have to deal with. Yeah. There's no way that you can have a unified front. Yeah. If you're all, if you all hate each other. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to work. Well, and one thing I want to mention too, like uh, <laughs> when we talk about like the antichrist, you know, I think we oftentimes take like the the revelation view of the Antichrist. Like there is this figure coming at some point in the in the future who is going to be like the end boss at the end of the video game who's going to be really bad and want to destroy everything. And yeah, whatever. When we're talking about the Antichrist here, we're saying that these people were acting the opposite of Jesus. Right. They were the antithesis. The spirit of the Antichrist is That's one right. point he says. So it's not so much like, you know, the devil coming or, you know, I feel like in our culture, we like to be like, well, Trump's the Antichrist, Biden's the Antichrist mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's Trudeau. Like, yeah. Uh, some Fill in the blank. Somebody from Europe. Five right. billion. Putin, I don't know. Like, I've, yeah. yeah. But go back further. I feel like everybody was always the Antichrist every three years. You yeah. Know? yeah. Any world leader. Like, oh, there's the Antichrist. Well, yeah. Or like if oh, you have. leader in China. That's the guy. You know, like. If you have witches in your church. <laughs> but so like as an inside joke. So don't way. get caught up on that when you're reading first John, when you read Antichrist, that phrase, like it's not talking about like the end times Antichrist. It's like he just is he could like interchange that with these people are acting like the opposite of Jesus. Yeah. Yep, That's what he's saying. Yep, like yep. yep. Which I think people get all excited when they hear, oh, Antichrist. Ooh, we're gonna yeah. talk about end times. It's a it's a trigger word. I just just so you know, guys, like probably gonna not really preach about that very often because i could care less <laughs> you know what, the, what revelation's about we win yeah the, the, the end it's is great, great. The end is fantastic yeah um do i think we need to be like looking for all the signs and like if your life changes because you need something to like look for all the signs and you're going to live mm-hmm. differently now because things are in the different time frame you've already missed it yep yeah, yeah. like jesus talks about living to be ready for tomorrow to be the day mm-hmm like having yeah. the oil in the lamp so that when the son of God comes back, you're ready to say, I did it. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm ready for you. And if you need something else to give you motivation to share your faith or to live on mission or to like, whatever, like you need some sort of uh, idea that we're, that the time is short. It's short. Every one of these writers in the new Testament wrote as if it was going to be in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're supposed to live that way yeah. and act that way. Mm-hmm. You don't need revelation yeah. to get there. Yeah. And by the way, really the main thing is like God is supreme. He it gets all reconciled. We win. Jesus is sitting yeah. on the throne next to, you know, to the right hand of God. Like that's the end. That's how yeah. it works. Like, mm-hmm. do we need to worry about 
the really trippy imagery yeah yeah <laughs> like, it's like was that a tank that he just talked about there you know like um no it was yeah. a helicopter for sure i think that's <laughs> right, right. It's the easy, dragonfly it's an easy way for our focus to come off of the mission of christ and focus on other things and whenever that happens it's just never good right. like the church yeah. splinters denomination splinter small group splinter yeah like yeah. people's personal face splinter because they took their eyes off of the actual mission that Christ gave us mm -hmm. and we're focused on something else. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of the main, the main idea. I mean, kind of landing on this God is love is essentially where John, the, mm -hmm. the, the key verse in chapter four and kind of the key phrase for the entire book, the key idea that's all there. It's like, if you're going to, believe the right thing about God, if you're going to live the way that God's called you to live, then you should show up in your community. It's essentially the main concept mm -hmm. of what he's been writing about. Yeah. And then we've got one more chapter, which is split into two the next couple of weeks. So well, I think I'm just doing like 12 verses next week and then the rest, which are I think 13 or 14 verses. So it'll only be like 45 minutes. <sighs> I'm, I'm going to go for 40, maybe 35 <laughs> this week. I'm going to try. I had two you're... really long passages in this that like really were tough. Um, if you hit 35 mark, I mean, you're solidly in Aaron Lynch territory, but yeah. like uh, that there would have to be some sort of a trophy or an award I, at the end of that. <laughs> what's crazy is that when I preached that grace, like they were maniacal about me hitting 35 and yeah. I did every time I preached mm -hmm. and, uh, and I hated, hated that so much that now I rebel against it. Um, but I, I think I could settle into, I think 40 is my like perfect 40 to 42 is like my perfect amount of time it keeps creeping. every time we talk it creeps up. it's 40 oh, that's 14 yeah maybe 44 <laughs> yeah i think 48's my wheelhouse like i don't know <laughs> anyways all right so that's where we're at i just that's a review of the sermon i hope uh i hope you go listen to it yeah, yeah. I, had, I had one up. person text me it's so funny because like there'll be weeks where i'm like well that was the worst sermon i've ever preached and then other weeks where i'm like well that was great that really was awesome and then other <laughs> weeks where i'm like well that was just like normal like average you know and i swear every time i like think best sermon i've ever preached i get somebody who like is like hey man maybe a little long you know or uh, every time i think i've like had preached the worst sermon in my life someone will text me that's the best sermon i've ever heard you preach thank you so much that was amazing uh you spoke right to me and i'm just like it's maybe maybe the holy spirit bringing in a little humility or a little building you up when you're too down yeah i don't know yeah i, I think it's just leaving room for the holy spirit to fill in some of those gaps i mean I think we've all probably had experiences like that where like, you know, for me, it's always traditionally been like in youth ministry where like the nights where I had a great plan, everything was super prepared, had the volunteer team humming. Those are the nights where you're like, Oh, that didn't work the way I thought I was going to. <laughs> and the nights where like, you know, you go into youth group and you're like, well, I, you know, something came up and then time to prepare. Five, just going to wing five it. Thoughts. Yeah. We're just going to wing it tonight. <laughs> Those would be like nights where like, we're outside baptizing kids yeah. and, you know, on the stream or something. And you're like, this is the best, like, Oh God's great. And you're like, Oh, because it's not in our power. That's right. Cause it's not up to us, you know? And well, I, I, we've all known people who are like, well, I'm just going to do that every week, not prepare and let the Holy like, spirit do it. And you're like, no, 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 that's not how this works. The Holy spirit <laughs> also works in preparation. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, anyways, it was one of those weeks where I was like, ah, I don't know, a little long. Could have cut that one back a little bit. And then someone texts me, this is the best sermon I've ever heard you preach. This is best. I'm like, okay. Well, it's we'll probably a kid's it. ministry volunteer. I, you... I pretty much asked my wife, and she just tells me straightforwardly, like, no, that was dog dog crap. Like, oh, that one was great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you probably should have prepared a little better for that one. Like, <laughs> I could tell you were winging it in the last half of yeah. that sermon. Yeah. Whoa. So um, we actually, um, we actually want to take some time in this podcast to pivot slightly and go back. Uh, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, um, we started a conversation last fall around fall kickoff. We had a sermon series called here for good. That was like eight or nine weeks. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and we were talking basically, I mean, Mark, you can kind of dive into this cause it was your sermon uh, yeah. series, yep. but basically the idea was like, what actually are we doing here as a church? Not just like a uh, pursuit as an individual church, but like the big C church, uh, Christianity as a whole. And we really had been sensing um, for a variety of reasons that there were just some things kind of coming to a head within Christianity as far as issues. Uh, there were like some scandals and, and abuses that were coming into light at some pretty you know big churches and well-known Christian leaders and teachers and yep. authors, things like that. And so it kind of, we took that as an opportunity to talk about um, what the, what is the purpose of the church? Why are we here? What are we doing? And it was really more of a call to get back to the original mission, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that like we as pursuit are far off from that, but we're just more taking some time to be critical of ourselves as Christians, as Christ followers, but also to assess where we're at as a church and, and what we actually need to be focusing on. Yep. So we want to take some time today to kind of follow up on that conversation that we started in the fall for nine weeks and kind of talk a little bit more about that because there's been some other things that have kind of come up within. There's been a few catalysts that have pushed this yeah. conversation to the forefront. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I want to, so let me, I want to go back for a second and say that the three of us for sure and probably everybody in ministry who's been long enough has had some pain in working in the church in yeah. some way. It's kind of inevitable, you know, like uh, even from my perspective, it's like, I'm trying to lead this church in a way that will create no pain. I want to do no harm. You know mm-hmm. I mean? Like the, the physician who takes the Hippocratic oath, like to do yeah. no harm. Like I feel like pastors need to be thinking about that. Yeah. But I think it goes both ways too. Like I was listening to a guy who, you know, had a terrible experience as a pastor at his church. And he was saying the, asking the question, like, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people who've left churches and talked about how the church hurt them. You know, what I have never heard is like somebody who said, yeah, I was part of an elder board and I hurt the pastor who left. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a lot of burnt out pastors who are on the other end of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of baggage. I think I have some baggage like coming out of a what became a pretty dysfunctional situation. And one of the reasons that we planted this church was to fix, mm-hmm. in my mind, fix some of those problems. Yeah. And it could have been a little reactionary. It's even me questioning my motives from time to time. Like, you know, are we doing this because we really believe in transparency? Or are we doing this because we just never saw transparency anywhere in the church? Like, mm-hmm. are we doing this because we were hurt by the fact that there wasn't trans? Like, is are these altruistic motives or am I responding or reacting yeah. to something? So I'm always kind of questioning that and I'm always a little uneasy and, and I do feel this way. I'm kind of, you know, like I'm not convinced I'll ever pastor anywhere else other than here. Like I, I've been thinking about that lately. Like this is like, if this, if the church can be what I think it can be, then I'm going to be happy being the pastor here. Mm. And if the church can't be what I think it can be, then I'm probably just going to like sell insurance. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know how that sounds, but like, I think a lot of us who've been in ministry long yeah. enough 
Yeah. We're like still hanging in trying to hope the church will get where it needs to go. And then we still see the potential in it and we still see the hope that it brings to the world and the change that it can bring to the world. And we still want to invest in it, but we're trying to create something that doesn't look like what we came out of or were hurt by or the crap that we've dealt mm -hmm. with. And we could do many podcasts and we have done a few mm -hmm. talking about some of that. Yeah. Um, and so we were kind of talking this through and I was like, as I was thinking about these new allegations or things that are coming up, which we'll talk about in a second, and the, some of the stuff that was last generation, you know, and mm -hmm. this is the Bill Hybels and the Ravi Zacharias's and the James McDonald's and the, you know, uh, if you don't know who these people are, they're just high profile pastors who were just total hypocrites mm -hmm. who like did one thing and said one thing and, yep. you know, hurt people and damaged mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like, you know, to process all that is uh you can see the amount of damage it's done to the kingdom and the amount of damage it's done to people who are involved in those churches and there's times when i sit back and think like is this inevitable that you get a church so big and so high profile and so it kind of becomes part of like celebrity culture that it just leads to this end and mm -hmm. is there anyone that could withstand it anyways mm -hmm. like there's some real structural things that we need to think about um, so with that, all that being said, we were watching kind of, there's another round of things that have kind of come up, uh, the Marcel podcast, which we talked about a little bit in the fall, yeah. which they just did an update to it. Yeah. Dealing with their own crap, which Aaron listened to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Megan listened or watched the discovery plus documentary on Hillsong, the exposing a mega, mega church. church exposed. Yep. Which. Uh, so mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you guys want to kind of talk about what you kind of yeah paid attention to or what you watched or yeah, in, kind of your takeaways? Yeah. So uh, for me, um, you know, similar to your experience, Mark, kind of coming out of a, a church situation where you definitely felt uh, you know abused in probably several forms. <laughs> like uh, I've I've had worked at several churches like that over the years where I've experienced. Uh, things like that that have been extremely negative hardships that have caused me to question like, ah, do I want to stay in ministry? Mm. I've never gotten to the point where I've like questioned my faith, um, but definitely questioned like being a leader within the church. Call. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, the other part of this too is like over the years I've, I've uh, experiencing these different situations and, and these traumas in, in church leadership, I've really felt this like growing sense of like there's issues here, but I've never been able to like put my finger on the pulse or define it. And I feel like within the last year and a half, we've really been able to do that because we have these really poignant examples of failures mm -hmm. right. that really illustrate these bigger picture, high level issues, and not just those churches, but like all of Christianity. Almost a reckoning for the big C church. Yeah. Like no longer can it be swept under a rug. Right. Yeah. And also for me, the third thing is like, as a pastor, as a leader in church, leading, shepherding other people, discipling other Christians, like I have been passionate about that the entire time I've been in ministry, but I've also grown this passion for the church itself, like all churches. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I sit here and I think like, it's so basic, but you would think the church would be the best representative of Christ to the world. And oftentimes we're not even the best representative of Christ to other Christians. Like, Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we're one of the worst examples because we, instead of drawing people closer to church and drawing people closer to God and closer to Jesus, we do things that push them farther away. 
And so all of these things in combination have stirred in me a need to like read and listen and watch and learn uh, not only for myself, but for pursuit and for all churches. Like, um, so yes, that's kind of like where I'm at. And I know we all feel mm -hmm. similar to that. So um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is a podcast produced by Christianity today, which is a magazine, their big media outlet in the Christian world. Um, if you don't know who they are, you can check them out. What's a magazine again? <laughs> Christianity. Oh, that's all <laughs> yeah. It's something that old school Christians still read. layers of paper stuck together that you can kind of flip instead glossy. of like swiping with a they finger. They kept printers yeah. in business for a long <laughs> can time. Can I read that on my iPad or? <laughs> uh, so they produce this podcast and it's really telling in part the story of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll and kind of the failing of that in Seattle, in Seattle, which was a huge mega church on the West coast. But it also, to, in order to tell that story, it tells sort of the church history of the last 40 years yep. and how mega churches kind of became a thing in the United mm -hmm. States. Um, and so like, it's not only a story about Mars Hill and about Mars Driscoll, but I feel like it's a, it's a story about all churches because it uses these examples. It talks about highballs. It talks about a lot of different things and not just failures, but like it tells the story of how we got from there to here. Look, I would say it focuses in on the different cultural movements within the church over the past 30 years, 40 years, I guess, yeah. all the way back to Crystal Cathedral or whatever. Right? Yeah, like mm -hmm. the 60s, like 50s, yeah. 50s, 60s. Yeah. So, but like the cultural movements within the church. Absolutely. Yep. 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 So uh, I highly recommend it. Um, there, you know, among Christian schools, there's different viewpoints on the motivations of that podcast and what they're trying to do. Full disclosure, I could not finish it. Mm -hmm. Every time I listened to one, I lamented for like three days. It, yeah, it, breaks it your hurt heart. me deeply. Yeah. It I haven't your heart. finished it either. I'm not saying it hurt me deeply in a way that wasn't fair. Yeah. It was absolutely fair. Yeah. yeah. It was a terrible situation mm -hmm. that I think left a crater yeah mm -hmm. for the kingdom in seattle i don't even think we can i don't think we can quantify the damage that it did to no. the kingdom of god and i think there's a lot of people who are like no it's great you know things yeah. are fine and i think if you talk to anybody from seattle who was there during that time you'll find people that are very far from god because of that church and because of driscoll and at the time I think I was in college mm -hmm. maybe early on in my ministry I like revered Driscoll I thought he was like you know just this macho Jesus loving you know like tell it like it is affliction t-shirt yeah. and now I yeah. look back and think holy cow Ugh. it is yeah how could we be so far away from what God intended mm -hmm. like what a mm -hmm. so every time I listen to a podcast I was like I was like on my knees going Jesus please don't let this be me Mm -hmm. Like, don't let this be our church, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was hard for me to listen to. I think most people probably don't have my baggage. You know what I mean? Like, probably don't think about the church the way that I do. Sure. You know, they could probably listen to it a little easier. I think I in an effort to be more self-aware about not only yourself as a Christian, but as a, a, a Christian who is in community with other Christians in the context of a church, it is a valuable effort of self-awareness i'm thankful they did it yeah absolutely. i'm not against it i think people should listen to it so. yeah absolutely. i think for me listening sorry i'll let you continue in just a second um <laughs> she'll let you listening to these stories yeah. is awful and i hate it um but it has been really important for me to like see outside of the church a little bit and like to take some of my own blinders off mm -hmm. so that i can actually look and i mean this is a question that we ask on staff like is there a thing we're missing? Is there a thing that we're yeah. excusing? 
yep. for the sake of the ministry right now. Mm-hmm. Um, leaving, so as, leaving space for something. Right. Like, are right. we, yeah. are, is there, is there a place where something could happen because we're focused somewhere else for the sake of the ministry? Um, so this has been something for me that has been like, it's awful and you feel horrible. Mm-hmm. There was one morning where on a Sunday we were getting ready. Mark was, or we were getting ready for church setting up and Mark, you were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I listened to the Mars Hill podcast on my way in this morning. I'm not in a good frame of mind right now. Give me a second. I got to yeah. refocus here. I couldn't listen to it on Mondays. Um, yeah. I, I was like, well, Sunday morning on the way to church is not the time yep, yeah. to listen to this. Um, but it's it's been really mm-hmm. important for me to yeah just help think and about these it was, things. He was the like icon of a macho form of, of uh, Christianity mm-hmm. that was very much focused on legalism and coercion control yes um also put women in their place like you know as far as he was concerned like yeah hey we're here for these men we're here to transform the city by you know creating all these like soldiers Mm -hmm. and it who knew it was gonna blow up like (laughs) coercion and control and legalism and macho yeah nonsense it doesn't go well yeah right yeah so check it out i think it's really great uh, for people to, even if it is uncomfortable for you to die, jump into that and just wade through those waters. And you've got people here that will do it with you too. I mean, I love talking about this stuff. Um, so they wrapped up the series back in December and at the end of it, they kind of, they said like, you know, as we've done this reporting and researching and interviews, talking to all these different people, we've kind of found all of these other conversations and topics that we want to talk about. So we'll have bonus episodes that we'll release. Well, they just had one drop uh, this week um, on Monday, I think. So I listened to it and basically uh, it was kind of an eye opening episode because they're talking about themselves. Christianity today, uh, they had their own uh, moral failing and, and sexual abuse allegation scandal within their own ranks two former employees, one high level, like their CEO, and then another one, uh, he was in the marketing department or something, not important. So basically, while they're producing this podcast, they're having their own scandal kind of come out and they're having to deal with it. Christianity Today. Yeah, Yeah. Christianity Today. Uh, And so basically, this new episode, this bonus episode is them reporting on themselves and their own scandal and talking about that. It was really good. And one of the things that I think that stuck out to me that I think is really important and rings true, not only for churches, but for all Christian institutions, uh, magazines, media outlets, schools, you know, colleges, is that in some ways we have drifted so far off course from the original mission of the church that in creating these institutions and mega churches and these things that we want to grow and get bigger, because that's a good thing, right? We, if you have a church, you should want it to get bigger. because that means more people coming to know Jesus. That as we do that, the, the very things that we have to set up to enable that growth are the very things that create a very fertile environment for abuse to happen. Because it's not about transparency. Like you were Mm -hmm. saying, Megan, it's not about um, ethics. It's about growth. And that becomes the thing that can enable either an individual or an institution or a group of people to either enable abuse to happen or to cover it up and try and keep the thing, keep the engine running despite the trauma that's happened. Yeah. I think there's a point where a church gets so big that people stop running it like a church and start running it like a business. Mm -hmm. And these two philosophies are very, very different. Mm -hmm. 
And if you start running a church like a business, then the business, the church, becomes the most important thing. And protecting the church so that it can do ministry. Right. I, I don't think it's always with ill intent in the beginning. Um, but protecting the church so that it can do ministry, so that it can reach more people, it just leaves you open to making little concessions and then little concessions become bigger concessions and you withhold information so that you don't hurt people, but then that turns into a lie and Jesus is, God cannot lie. The church cannot survive in the shadow, in the secret. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've talked about this many times. We strive to be a church that is a hundred percent transparent and a hundred percent open to any of your questions, to any, anything, because we know that this can't survive if we're secretive and, and hushed up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I was just thinking about to the, that line of thinking that was Ravi Zacharias's big uh, thing that he did. So Ravi Zacharias was a evangelist, Mm -hmm. had a worldwide ministry, if you look up YouTube clips of him, he's usually like talking some atheist into a corner and, you know, just, I mean, if you don't know who he is, he's one of the central figures for our generation of like teachers, speakers that was like extremely influential yep. and like, yeah. And just uh, defending the faith and, mm-hmm. you know, all, all that. And he, it turns out he had all these inappropriate relationships with women and, the thing he would always say to them, apparently, this is what was, they did a whole report. You can actually go look up the report. RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries posted the entire report online. They're finally at a place where they're ready to be transparent mm-hmm. about stuff. Uh, that he would just say to people, hey, if you if you talk about this, it'll destroy the effect that God could have in the lives of millions mm-hmm. of people. Because this is how many people I, I get to affect in my ministry. And yeah. you, will, you will be taking like... And this will be your fault. Yeah, right. And you're just like... <laughs> what the heck like, hello manipulation how how can we get to that point yeah. that place yeah. you know and it's i mean that's just like a unchecked ego it turns out he had multiple phones turns out the uh board was you know had, he had a slush fund that he could use for anything he wanted and nobody on the board decided to question that um he would go on international trips to write his books and he would take with him a masseuse who traveled with him who was uh, at one point it looked like a sex slave essentially like a thai woman who was just like being kept in an apartment that was like one floor down from his like just i mean things that were just despicable right and you read this and you're like but like this is the guy who was you know defending the the faith like to millions of people he's the one that's arguing with atheists he's the one that's you Mm -hmm. know giving giving somebody who wants to defend their faith like plenty of ammunition to go and have an argument or con you know conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody and you're just like, what the world? But that's the thing. They go, if you if you say anything about this or you bring this to light or you, you bring this up, like it's going to ruin the institution, mm-hmm. the ministry, the fruit. Yep. And we've talked about the fact that they always point to the fruit to justify whatever yeah. it is that they're wanting to do. Yep. Um, well, look at all the people that are being saved, you know, and you're just like, this is poison. Like yeah. this fruit is not healthy. You know, mm-hmm. if it's coming out of this ministry, who's operating like this, whose culture is like yeah. this, then this isn't going to lead to great. Right. And we're talking about some really like 
high level leaders, Christian celebrities who have had major failings that we read about, that we listen to. There are churches in the Twin Cities that are doing these same things. Maybe not sexual stuff that we know of, but like there are churches that are justifying abuse for the fruit. Mm -hmm. It's happening right here. It's the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. There's a a very famous pastor in the Twin Cities who just left his church over some of these allegations and then just planted his own, planted another one. And it's like he now the church is hundreds of thousands of people again and people are just right back on the train and it mm-hmm. turns out like the allegations are pretty heinous and no one seemed to care, yeah. you know? So like mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff that, you know, I, I wouldn't want to call that one out by name. It's like down the road. But, uh, it's you know, this kind of stuff, I think before social media existed, this stuff could kind of be swept under the rug. Yep. I think it was easier to hide. You'd have a elder board that was like, felt like they were doing good. Mm-hmm. They're trying to protect the pastor. They're trying to protect the ministry. They're trying to protect the organization. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, these boards are lay people who have no experience yeah. in how to handle a crisis like this. Um, you know, talking about our own governance, one mm-hmm. of the things, I think we've talked about this once or twice, but like one of the things we have in there is that if there's some sort of like allegation it goes to an outside organization immediately. Yep. It gets out of the hands of our elders. Mm-hmm. Whoever our whatever yep. our leadership team looks like, it's going to be out of their hands and yeah. onto another level. There's no like we review it, see if it's credible, no. and then pass it on. Yeah. Nope. That's crap. We review it in our denomination. So we send it up the stream yep. to our Somebody denomination. Somebody else can review it. Or to an independent outside organization, and mm-hmm. we let them yep. decide yeah. if it's credible or whatever, and then we transparently share all the mm-hmm. information. That's the, That's the goal. Yeah. You, we have, we didn't have to have this in our, well, maybe we did, but like these weren't, you know, I went looking for this language in other people's constitutions for churches and mm-hmm. I can't find any, yeah. any constitutions that are written in a way yeah. that has this language in it because we're finally at a place where we have to yeah. take this seriously. And I feel bad for these teams of elders because they're not qualified. Like I wonder about legal immunity, like why why hasn't some of this fallen onto these elder teams who covered mm-hmm. up stuff? Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, like, is there, yeah. is there a legal problem by having a group of lay people make a decision to, you know, yeah. like either go yeah. after something or put something away. It almost should be like, Whoa, for legal purposes, you need to have an outside organization come in and review this. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you might personally be liable mm-hmm. for damages or whatever. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's no, whatever. So that was Christianity Today yep. exposing their own stuff, which is good for them. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to point it out in anybody else, you yeah. better be willing to turn the finger yep. on mm-hmm. yourself. And it was when, a, a little bit more out. easy for them because it was like it happened in the past. Yeah. The staff yeah. had all turned over. There's nobody left from that. Yeah. Uh, the CEO guy named Mark, Mark Alley, he had retired. Right. Uh, which everyone at the time they're like oh he's retiring you know see ya mm-hmm. uh turns out like the timing of it it probably was very coincidental with a lot of these things that were going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. um but you know like one of the things they talk about in the interview is you know they say that one of the hard things as an organization like ct is you know there aren't any of these people on staff anymore right like all even the hr people that were that dropped the ball and didn't do things right mm-hmm. they're not even there so it's like we're left as an organization. It's not our fault, but it's definitely our problem. Like we mm-hmm. we're not, there's no one to punish. There's no one to like fire. There's no one to reprimand, you know, 
So it's like, that's part of their transparency is not only in, in an effort to like, just be like, Hey, this happened and we're handling it the best we can. But I think they want, they didn't say this, but I think they're trying to be an example, you know, yeah. do what other churches like Willow Creek and Mars Hill should have done at the time. Right. But mm -hmm. they didn't. So, so it's good. So I'd recommend not only the entire podcast, but listening to that. Cause I think it's, it's a good uh, thought exercise um and just self-awareness as a christian and you know you're part of the church <laughs> whether you want to admit that or not megan you watched the hill song i did it was really hard i'm not um, sure, sure i want to watch i mean i need, probably need to yeah but. it's three episodes they're each about an hour long it's on discovery plus i almost said disney plus um <laughs> different network <laughs> um animation exposed <laughs> <laughs> no um if you don't know, Hillsong is a church that started in Australia. Um, it started as a relatively small church that then realized they could use marketing and whatnot and look like the culture to bring culture in more. Mm -hmm. um, and they got very big. I guarantee if you have listened to any worship music, um, you have heard their music and they're now in like 30 countries. I don't know how many churches, but they're massive. Um, but this docuseries just goes through the, uh, there's so many things. Um, the founding pastor, it has now come out that there were sexual abuse allegations against him. Um, a giant cover up from his son who was then the pastor and the board, um, everything that happened in New York with Carl Lentz, who was the pastor of New Hillsong, City. New York. Also married to the daughter of the guy who started the original Hillsong church, which yes. is sort of important. So like in the family, um, there's a Hillsong college that is doing all sorts of crazy things to go to this college. Aaron, I don't know if you know this, you have to sign an NDA. You're not allowed to tell your family about what's going on at school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bananas like can we talk about the biggest red flag there are nda <laughs> a non-disclosure yeah. agreement yeah hey i got some paperwork i need you guys to sign yeah uh, and and there later. are so many students that they interviewed that they were like i didn't even know i signed this like i signed right. a lot of things and it's like i've should I've, we sign fda's <gasps> full disclosure agreement i worked at the church where that happens yeah. i didn't have to sign one but it happens i just Oh, it hurts my heart. Um, and so they looked into this docuseries looks into Carl Lentz um, and the church that he worked at before he was at Hillsong. And there was a ton of um, he manipulation. Was, he was well known as like a celebrity pastor. He yeah. was tight with Bieber. Yeah. And Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, super slick. Yeah. Very charismatic. Very. um attractional to yep. to the youth and young demographics of new york and would pack out irving plaza right to get the right i've been there um, uh, one time that's the name of it though right i don't remember okay uh i think it's irving plaza um and they said that people would line up around the block there would be a line two blocks long an hour before the service yeah and that's true you might not get in depending on how many celebrities showed up that week. Yep. Like, I don't know about you guys. There was a I section no that desire. was like, there was a section blocked off. Yeah. 
and it just kept getting bigger and bigger well like celebrities could basically come and not be bothered by anyone Mm -hmm. and then worship yeah Uh, like i kind of understood the like thought process behind it because i can think of being a celebrity you wouldn't even want to go to a want to go to church yeah you just have too many people want to like yeah it'd be way about you yeah i like i do think maybe some of them were like authentically Mm -hmm. happy to have a place to worship like where they could just show up and Mm -hmm. be normal but yeah the like oh gross um i gotta start that seven day trial yeah so houston (laughs) there's a couple of allegations against him specifically but the big thing against brian houston yes there are two houston yes so his dad the big thing was his dad had like an inappropriate relationship with a young boy with like there's like eight okay. at this point Multiple. that have come forward um so between like the pedophilia. like 50s and 70s yep um and then it came somebody came forward and shared the information with hillsong yes and it was so it was brian who had to report on his dad and he chose they chose not well it to. it got reported to frank and the leadership at the time first it was kind of covered up. I love up how we're using first up. names. Frank. Frank's the guy. <laughs> Frank Houston. Um, no relation see, I to Whitney. No, yeah, okay, I got you. The no dad. relation to Whitney. Yes, the dad. The, you, the, the original <laughs> Whitney. Um, yeah. founder of yeah. Hillsong. Right. Original pastor. Um, they kind of covered it up. A $10,000 check was written that was Ugh. agreed upon at McDonald's written out on a napkin to give you some sort of scope of like how much Hillsong didn't They're care. Just trying to buy this person off. About this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then authorities got involved. Parliament in Australia got involved. And finally, they started doing investigations, found out Brian Houston knew. Right. Leadership at Hillsong knew. And that's massively illegal in Australia. To it's, not, yes, it's illegal to not report a crime if you knew it yes. happened. Here we're mandated reporters. If we don't report a crime, it could be like a slap on the wrist. Yep. A lot of times, like it's not going to be something like. Depends. Yeah, it depends. I mean, probably. I think Minnesota has some of the strongest mandated reporting laws. Right. Uh, I, the thing I don't know is like how deep those teeth can sink in yeah like, i mean we like, would I, we yeah. always would we talk yes. about it as a staff we talk about it we're Absolutely. all mandated reporters yep anybody who's gonna be on our elder team whatever leadership team yep. they're all gonna be mandated reporters yep. like that's the way we roll all teachers are mandated reporters yep. Yep. all coaches and yeah anyone anybody who works, works with, with kids youth. yes yeah. okay yeah and, and basically the legal standing there is that the state of minnesota wants to incentivize people to like Tell the truth when yep. they see something, mm-hmm. right? An abuse happened to a minor, basically. So they've uncovered a ton of documentation from Hillsong that they had these meetings. They talked about it. They knew about it. They hushed it up and did nothing. Right. Um, and now there are allegations against Brian Houston, the son. Um, and it's just like he is actually in court proceedings now because Australia has come back and been like, you didn't do anything. You didn't report this. Right. You were supposed to. You're legally obligated to report this. Um, and kind of his stance is, well, when the allegations came to light, this individual was now an adult. Mm-hmm. So the reporting should have been on him. It was no longer my requirement to report mm-hmm. anything, um, which is just yeah, layers and layers of poop. Um <laughs> One of the, one Tell of the, us how you really feel. Megan. One of the lessons here is like, don't mess around with Australia, man. Like, 
<laughs> they're pretty hard nose on this stuff. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't even let uh, Novak uh, Djokovic, Djokovic play because yeah. he lied about his vaccination status. Like, yeah. let uh, alone lying about knowing about. But an one of the like, one <laughs> of the patterns that they have kind of uncovered was that um, Frank Houston, the original church planner, the had, OG. had issues in New Zealand, OG pedophile, where he's yeah. from. Yeah. Like there were oh. allegations from New Zealand when things started getting hot there, right. he moved to Australia before social media, right? Before media, before this could really go big, go global. Mm -hmm. He just moved, started a new church. Did it again. How many times have we seen that happen? Um, and now even Hillsong, they've said things have kind of died down. They're not as ramped up in Australia to like planting more campuses and like building there. They've switched focuses to globally and now a lot of churches are just becoming their own thing, all under the Hillsong name, but not necessarily. So there's been a lot legally. of American Hillsong churches. There's Georgia, Phoenix, uh, New York City. A couple of them left the Hillsong mm -hmm. organization and were able to just walk away. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's been some, mm -hmm. like some decoupling. Yeah. In but some of those. I wonder, is that because they actually are like that's awful what you guys are doing is bad and we want to step away from that or is that legally we don't want to associate with you so we're going to cut ties because that could be harmful for us but in reality we were born out of the same thing the culture is still the same we're mm -hmm. going to continue to do the same things we're just not legally going to be associated with you yeah. So unfortunately, I, some of that stuff is probably like TBD. I mean, you don't know, yeah. but that's the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. No, right. I'm. I'm not saying you it's distance not. yourself and you go. That's it just sin. can't. It's it can't wrong. stop there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you have to keep. Sure. You you have to dig into culture yeah. there. Um, in this documentary, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, they interviewed a. Mm, I think he was an abuse advocate, who said that oftentimes it is more painful. And more detrimental to the victim. It's it, what is more detrimental is not the abuse that happened, but the way the church responds to it. Right. And yeah. the like denial and shunning and like cover up that's mm -hmm. more painful, more detrimental, takes longer to process through and get over than it's, the it's instance. The same of thing abuse. we tell our kids when they're caught. Yeah. Tell the truth. Yep. If you don't tell the truth, it's going to be worse. You're you not know? in trouble because you did it. You're in trouble because you lied to it's me. It's going to be worse, right? Yep. And it's almost like when they do the like secondary, they try to minimize it, cover it up. Well, yeah, because then you have to lie again to cover for that first lie. Right. And it just snowballs. Yeah. Well, and I think it's even more sinister than that. I mean, uh, in the Mars Hill podcast, I think it's the first or second episode, they have a an abuse counselor, religious abuse counselor on, and she, I, I'm butchering the quote, but she basically says like, what makes abuse at the hands of a church leader or of a church so bad is that as if abuse isn't bad enough, whatever form it takes, <laughs> right. mm -hmm. yeah, like, like the fact that it's done by the hands of a Christian leader, a pastor, someone within the church, a church yep. representative, it essentially puts God on the side of the abuser. And it's basically saying God's endorsing this abuse. So that creates this spiritual crisis internally right. within the yeah. individual where they, they can't even go to God in their, their time of need. Yep. And she says, her quote is, she does, she's does. she been doing this for decades. And she's like, there are no words to describe the damage that is done to a human soul. 
when mm. that happens. Mm. And that's what that, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. Like any power dynamic. Yep. It, there's another level of abuse that happens. It's, it's when yep. it's a boss, when it's a, a pastor, when, and in again, the, in, in the biz, is, we call it a power differential. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this is even worse when yeah. it's someone who yeah. potentially represents God to you. Yeah. And like this is what's happening now with the meeting house. Um, the meeting house is a Anabaptist church in Ontario, Canada, um, relatively big, well-known church that had allegations come out in December of last year against their senior pastor. Um, well-known because uh, Danielle Strickland, yep. who's a, a speaker and author, somebody who's amazing. Social justice yeah. advocate, yeah. Uh, works at that church. She uh, used to, yes. She was on right. She was on staff as their, on their teaching And team. she's somebody that we have read, listened to at conferences. Yep. Like, inspirational person. Like, yeah. Like, did street ministry with, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. in Canada, like, just. Mm -hmm. I like to think of her as, like, a connections pastor. She's That's incredible. Like, like, she's, I don't know. I don't, she has a million stories about, like, yeah. I don't, you know. I've never seen, past, like, pastor is not necessarily a word she uses mm -hmm. to describe herself first. It's always, like, advocate, um, yep. you know, things yeah. like that. And then somewhere down the list of 15 titles pastor comes in um but abuse was and i think she's she's central to this because she was the person who it was first reported to the victim first spoke with danielle um and so in december and then i actually we were taking a class in february that she was one of the speakers for and, and we did a zoom meeting um and somebody asked her about it and she was like obviously i can't say a lot but i'll say two things um, one, I've been really proud of the meeting house and how they've responded to this, taken this seriously and called in outside review. Um, and two, I will do everything I can to stand with the victim and, and make sure her voice is heard. Um, fast forward a couple months in March, early March, she, uh, announced that she was resigning from her teaching post at the meeting house because of how things were being handled with this victim. Um, the next day, uh, Bruxy, who is the was the lead pastor at the meeting house, put out his official statement and basically said, I had an extramarital affair years ago. I should have told you about it. It was wrong. Um, I shouldn't have like put my wife through this. I shouldn't have put the church through this. Um, and I'm sorry. Like he apologized, but then the meeting house that same day comes out with their statement that um, I'm actually going to read it. Um, the investigator's work is now complete. This is just a portion of it. And this is on the meeting house's website. Over the last number of days, the overseers have read the report and we have taken time to process the information and consider the required actions. The investigator determined that Bruxy had man maintained a sexual relationship with the victim, an adult woman, in violation of the meeting house policy and the handbook of faith and life to be in very, Church very clear of to Canada. say adult woman. Uh -huh. yep. The investigator, investigator also found that what became a sexual relationship between Bruxy and the victim, which lasted over an extended period of time, constituted an abuse of Bruxy's power and authority as a member of the clergy and amounted to sexual harassment. Um, and then they 
basically asked him to step down. He submitted his resignation and they accepted it. Um, But what Danielle has said is that's not strong enough language. Um, And you went just past like he had an affair. What they don't get into is this victim is half of his age. This relationship started as a counseling relationship because the victim was in crisis and was looking for help and guidance from her pastor. This is the power differential. There have been so many comments online of like, didn't he just have an affair? Like, Mm -hmm. why is this such a big thing? Um, And it's because of... As if that's not bad Right, like... Like, They go out of their way to say adult, and I'm like, that means it's probably a very young person. And and let's just just be honest. Is it just an extramarital affair when you are a counselor and a pastor? You can't call it that. Yeah. That's sexual abuse. Yes. It is abuse. When a power dynamic is involved, sexual abuse. Yes. Right. And so this has been kind of the the center of, and now, okay, so remember, this uh, uh, was first um, reported in December. And then report came out in March, on March 8th. March 12th, the meeting house finally brings in a victim advocate. Right. Not in December. <laughs> Three months when after. the yeah. first, and this was one of the problems that Danielle said was, right. you're not giving her any support. Right. Sure. She is out here on her own having to advocate for herself. Mm-hmm. How many years ago was it, did they say? Let's say it was um, a while. I think people think it's less important or intense when it's been time has passed, you know, but it's like, that just tells you how long it took that person to get the courage to go ahead. I don't know exactly. I don't remember. Um, Danielle does a, she did a a Instagram live um, in March when we were in Orlando that goes into, I think a little bit more, more detail. Um, But it was March 12th that they finally were like, okay, we need to bring in a victim advocate. And then March 19th, so just a few days later, they announced that two more victims had come forward. Yeah. And it's just, it hurts my heart Mm -hmm. that we can go from, okay, you responded well, you didn't respond how other churches have and and hushed it up. Like you brought in somebody else from the outside. You started off well. Mm -hmm. And then you... uh, Danielle's words are they continued to kind of like downgrade and use the least serious language that they could get away with Mm -hmm. to be semi-transparent, but not like these are things that we need to call them what they are. Like sexual abuse is not a moral failing. Right. Like those not a consensual relationship. No, like moral failing is like you lied on your taxes or like some like sexual abuse. That's a criminal act. Right. That's so let's call it what it is. Mm -hmm. I know that we want to like find the silver lining here, but yeah. And like see the good out of the bad, but we just have to call out the bad. No, it's fruit. Like, Oh, look how many people this person. Yeah. Like it's this all over again. Yeah. But, (laughs) and it's sorry. This is one of those jobs where you you don't get, you don't get second chance after you make one one of these mistakes. Like, You're you're done. Now there are no three strikes. You know? Yeah. So I think for the sake of time here, um, I th- like kind of where I'm at. I'm sure you guys are in the same spot. Is you know, and it's even like how we started this half of the conversation on this podcast. Is 
we want to update you guys. Um, but you might be listening to this and like, okay, so what's the point besides just reporting on the latest wave of scandals and different things, you know? Um, we're not just talking about these things to like, you know, tantalize you. And, you know, if you're already down this path of disgruntledness with the church and frustration with mega churches and celebrity pastors, mm -hmm. we're not just trying to like fan the flames and make them larger. We're doing this because I think it's important to keep this conversation going, like to keep it going for all of us in our own way, not to just deconstruct faith, but yeah. to just be more self-aware of yeah. these systemic issues the not only institutions, but the dysfunctions, be aware of it, embrace the bad with the good and be able to say collectively as the body of Christ, we have not done this right and mm -hmm. we need to be better. And that's really what the whole point of this is. And Danielle, the last podcast she did, I can't remember the name of it, but it's just the last one she did. Um, she talks about how this is actually spiritual warfare. Like mm -hmm. this isn't just like, human sin like there's so much more to this and we imagine spiritual warfare is just like happening in this realm that we don't really see and there's some sort of war going on but we don't really understand um but that there's there's more to this and what we can focus on like the the coming out of this is focus on truth and light because mm -hmm. these are the two things that god is and God cannot lie. So as a church, we need to embody him and we're going to live above word. We're going to be transparent. Um, I would also say, don't listen to or watch any of this on your own and just like sit with it. <laughs> you, yeah. you will want to crawl in a hole we pretty and much, just like tuck your head in the sand. We have conversations yeah. staff wise every Tuesday yes. about this kind of stuff. Um, have you a know, conversation with somebody stuff, right. like as you're digging through this, like come and talk to one of us or with your small group mm -hmm. or something so that you're not just like piling on all the, yeah, the stress. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not entirely to this position yet, but I feel like I'm moving in a direction where I would rather, I would rather see the institution of the church not exist if it meant abuse would stop. Like we can't keep existing as an institution if we're going to continue allowing abuse to happen mm. in any form. Yeah, I think well, that's a certainly an extreme position. It is. <laughs> um, uh, from Coming from the, the king of uh, hyperbole uh, right here. Uh, I think where I'm at is I'm ready to root it all out. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. let's just let's just continue to root it all out. Mm -hmm. That's I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's like, an extreme way of saying I want to get to the other side of it where churches now operate differently because yeah. of what we've figured out during right. this time period. Yeah. And it is just designed to be safer. It's designed to protect us from narcissists. It's designed to represent Jesus. Yes. That's right. where I'm at. So, so I have one last thing I want to share. And this, by I, the way, this might be part one. Cause I think I would love, love in another time to talk about uh, ways to avoid Oh, these, these yeah. kinds of situations. Yes. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, like institutionally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we, I mean, if there's any topic that we want to have engagement with you all on, it's this, like, we want to hear from you all, like yep. your versions of this, your experiences, where you're at with this stuff. Cause that's important too. It's not just staff driven. It's not just leadership driven. It's all of us. Cause we're all part of the body of Christ equally. Um, I watched a documentary this week, not about, church feelings jesus music <clears throat> yeah 
Jesus yeah. music. Me and Gabe need to get together and watch this. We're both big fans of CCM from the 90s. Yeah. So it's on Hulu. It's a documentary about contemporary Christian music. <clears throat> and it kind of goes all the way back to like the 60s and talks about like where it started, where it came from, and how all these different bands came up and influenced each other and all this stuff. It's really good. So at one point in the documentary, it's Michael W. Smith talking about his uh, return to worship. And he quotes a passage out of Amos chapter five. And I had read that before, but I'd never read the message version of it. So I'm going to read that to you guys now. So it's Amos five verses 21 through 24 out of the message. And it says this, this is God speaking. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and your conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you <laughs> sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all that I want. So that's a pretty cutting verse. Uh, it's very direct in like modern terms about what a lot of churches are about and what a lot of churches do, their outputs. Uh, and it should sting. It should cut. Uh, but I want to focus on those last th th four lines. Do you know what I want? I want justice. I want fairness. That's what I want. That's all I want. And so if there's anything that should motivate us, it should not be focusing on the on the failures. Those should motivate us to be better. But that's what should drive us in this. It should be to get back to the heart of worship. Oh, <laughs> Just I kidding. love, you. I love no, it. No, it should be to get back to like what God desires, right. what glorifies him. Yep. And right. as we're talking about all of these failings, all of these abuses, it's the opposite of that. It's not about justice. It's mm -hmm. not about fairness. It's not what God wants. Right. And so as the body it's about of Christ, abuse, it's about control, right? Yeah. It's about ego. It's about power. Image. It's about, yeah. yeah, it's none of the things. So that... we should be more concerned about what God wants yep. and less concerned yep. about what culture around us wants or what an ego driven pastor or leader or teacher or, you know, author wants a celebrity person we should be the first and only filter should be, are we honoring God? Is it about justice and fairness? Are we doing what God mm -hmm. desires? So, yeah. I want to pray. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let that be true about our church, Jesus, that you would be held high, higher than anything else, that we would uh, keep our egos in check, that this would not be become about us. It would be, continually about you about raising you up about reaching people in your name about building your kingdom god we pray that this church would always honor you that mm -hmm. it would be everything that we put out would be a sweet fragrance that you are um pleased with that it would be an offering uh god i pray that you keep all these things in check that we live in this transparent world where we share mm -hmm. this with the people that go to this church where we are the kind of church that we miss in this community if we didn't exist um god that we keep our eyes on what is most important in yes. jesus name amen. amen amen all right it was like one of my sermons one hour 23 minutes <laughs> Zing. i mean i might as well make the joke yeah. as one of you guys would 
I beat would me to never. it. Hey, we love you guys. We hope you have a good week. And uh, we covet your thoughts and your questions and your opinions. So be sure to send those to us, not only in the chat, but you can talk to any of us on a Sunday. Shoot us an email. If you have our phone numbers, you can text us as well. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week. All right. Cool, cool. Bye. Bye.